there once was a man who built a yacht. Now this man, it was his lifelong ambition to build a magnificent yacht and to invite all his friends at the yacht club to the launch so that he could impress them. And so this man amassed a fortune and he was able to do exactly that. He built a yacht with the most beautiful, colorful sails. The deck was of pure teak wood. All the fittings was just the best brass and it looked amazing. And his friends came and they launched this boat into the ocean. Everybody was blown away by what this guy has achieved. And so as they set off to sail and he's in the front of his yacht and looking over the horizon, he didn't realize that slowly but surely those behind him were beginning to turn back because there was a massive storm coming their way. And within minutes, his sails were shred to tears, his mast as was splintered, and the yacht started to take up some water. And it wasn't before long that a massive wave came and completely capsized this yacht. Now, I don't know much about yachting. I'm sure there's lots of experts here who will correct me after the sermon, and that's fine. But apparently, I've been told that when a yacht capsized, it means to right itself. You see, it's an issue of simple gravity. The keel is heavier than the rest of the boat. But in this particular case, it didn't happen. The yacht stayed capsized. It didn't correct itself. The man was lost at sea. And late, uh, days later, when they retrieved the yacht, a very interesting discovery was made. You see, when the yacht came ashore, they figured out that the keel was hopelessly inadequate and underdeveloped. That this man put all his focus and attention and resources and money into building what people could see, neglecting what went on under the water. His focus was entirely on what people could see above the line, and he neglected the most critical part, the part that no one could see, the part that really matters when a storm comes. And this story, my friends, plays itself out in millions of lives across the world when we are so fixated with what people can see and we neglect the below-the-line stuff until the storms come. And then everything is revealed. Lives fall apart. Families, marriage, marriages, reputations, it all come undone. Now Jesus told a very similar story 2,000 years ago. Only being a carpenter by trade, he decided to use a story that we can all associate with, and that is of building a house. And so we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 7 this morning, and we're just going to read a couple of verses, it's a short reading. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, if you have a Bible at home or you yeah, reach out to your Bible or just follow the words on the screen. It says this, the wise and foolish builders, therefore, verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, yet did it not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. What Jesus wants to teach us with the story this morning is something really simple and yet very, very profound. And it's simply this. Jesus wants to tell us through the story that He wants us to build our lives on the rock of Christ. Now you may say to me, Krista, that sounds awfully philosophical and not very helpful. So let me, in the time that we have left this morning, try and draw out from this passage four big ideas for us here in Zouk 2022, four big ideas of what does it look like to build our lives on the rock of Christ. This wasn't just some old story that Jesus told. This is meant for you and I here today. And so first thing we see is that to build our lives on the rock of Christ means that we prioritize our relationship with Christ. Many of us in this room or online would say, yes, I have a relationship with Christ. Some of you may say, I'm not that sure. I'm still checking it out. Others may even believe in God, but say, I don't really have a relationship with God. And thankfully, this is not rocket science to figure out, my friends. God so loved every one of us that He decided to make a way for us to be reconciled to Him. That despite all our sinfulness and all our stubbornness and our hard-heartedness and our rebellion, He desires a relationship with us. But tragically, our sin has wedged a gap between Him and us. And no matter how hard we try with good deeds and good works, that gap can never be breached. And so God, in His tender love and care and mercy, did the impossible. He made Jesus one of us to come here, to live here, to die here, so that we can be reconciled to God forever. It blows my mind that that's possible. But it's true. Reconciliation with God is a possibility for all of us this morning. He wants us to start with a clean slate. Uh, and next week I will double click on this issue of reconciliation. Just why do we need it in our society today? What's the big deal? Why do we need to be reconciled to Christ? How does this reconciliation come about? And what are the long-term implications for our lives? So if you have some follower of people who are not followers of Christ looking into the Christian faith, bring them along. I'm going to work hard to make the gospel as easy and understandable for all of us. And so we start with a clean slate. But let me say that sadly our culture does not want to encourage us at all to develop and deepen this relationship. 
And that's because our culture is obsessed with above the waterline stuff. They don't care that we want to go deep. They're only interested in what others can see. I'm talking here about all the stuff that we accumulate, our obsession with things. Many of them hear me clearly this morning. Don't hear what I'm not saying. These things are in itself, they're not bad. They're not bad things. Things like our marriages, our jobs, our careers, our physical appearance, our network of relationships, our chief, our, our uh, relationships, our uh, achievements. These things are not bad things, my friend. I'm just saying that if you're going to build your whole life on that, that is dangerous. That I wouldn't do. And what Jesus is saying with this story is inviting us to go cross-cultural, against the culture, counter-cultural, swim upstream. He said, much rather than building with all this stuff, I want to invite you to a deep, warm, life-giving, life-changing relationship with me as a priority of your lives. And earlier in this Sermon on the Mount, he takes on the establishment of the day. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to, to the Father who is unseen. Jesus is taking on the hypocrites. Why? Because they are obsessed and consumed with above the waterline stuff only. And so he says to them, he rebukes them not to pray in private but to pray in public. Why? Why are they like this? They were not focused on a personal relationship with God at all. They only prayed in public because they wanted to make an impression with others. The stuff that people could see. Jesus is not saying we shouldn't pray in public. Of course, we pray in public every Tuesday and it's a wonderful thing. He's not saying that at all. But he's saying much better is I want a warm and intimate relationship with you. That's what I'm about. Not for what spiritual brownie points we can score with our friends, but for a warm and intimate relationship with us, for the sheer joy of it. And so he invites us to pour our resources, our time, our energy, our our, our private life, everything, so that we can be connected to Him. That's the invitation this morning to all of us. And my friends, relationships require effort. You say to me, Krista, do I have to work to make an impression on God? No, He's impressed with you already. But it takes effort to build that relationship. Dallas Willard puts it like this. He says, grace this free gift that we receive from God is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. We need to do something. We need to prioritize this relationship. And all relationships are like that. Ask married people. We're busy with a, halfway through the married course and we... One of the participants came to me and said, man, why does marriage have to be so hard? And I'm saying, no, it's not so hard. It's just if you, want a, if you want a marriage that will last, it will take effort. We have to work at it. It requires some action. 
Last week in our marriage course, we worked with the topic of where we've hurt each other and asking for forgiveness. The hardest thing that, that one can do. It doesn't come naturally to us to ask for forgiveness. And I'm sitting with Elise and kind of right in the heart, middle of us sharing our hearts on this, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Krista, you've got lazy in your marriage. You want your marriage to run on autopilot. This takes effort. This takes intentionality. Dates, weekends away, sharing our hearts, sharing our lives, crying together, celebrating together. And my friends, our relationship with Jesus is no different. This morning, this is not a rebuke, it's an invitation. He wants us to be warm and intimate with Him, but it will take some effort from us. And so I'm asking you this morning, if you want to build your life on the rock of Christ, is your relationship with Christ a priority in your life? Or is it just another add-on? The second way that we can what it means to build our lives on Christ is to build our lives on the things that Christ values, right? The values or the things that Christ would build His life on, His values. And one of the things that I really love about the story that He told was that we're all trying to build something with our lives, right? And that's good. I certainly am. We're all trying to put our talents, gifts, resources, time, whatever it is. We, we're trying to make something of our lives. We're trying to build something with our lives. Jesus is not frowning on that this morning. Okay, that's a good idea. It's a wonderful thing as an expression of our worship that we use everything that is given us to the best possible ability. But Jesus is asking us, on what values are you building your life? You see, consciously or unconsciously, all of us are building our lives on certain values, those things that matter to us. And so this morning, Jesus wants us to think a little bit about what values we are building our lives on. And in this story, there are two clear sets of values. They are the sand values. They are temporal and earthly Sand values including things like personal fulfillment or security or approval or success in our careers, money, reputation, relationships, beautiful kids, wonderful adventures. As I've said before, all those things, they're not bad things, but we need to recognize that they are earthly, temporal and fleeting. That we need to admit this morning. And yet, most of the people in our culture built their entire lives on them. They throw everything in the kitchen sink on these things. And Jesus says, hang on, there's a better idea. Much better if you start building your life on me. In the first point, I made, I made the point that we, that we build our lives on the rock of Christ as a priority. I just want to develop that a little bit more. What Jesus is saying here is not only build your life on me, but build your life on the things that I value, people. Isn't that a wonderful idea this morning? We build our lives on what matters to Christ. I think of it, when you, when you do a construction of a building that 
deep into the foundation, you drop these, these vertical steel I-beams. And Jesus is saying to us this morning, build your life like these I-beams. A few years ago, Elise and I <laughs> embarked on quite an ambitious building project. And uh, sort of off, halfway through, the building contractor came to us and said, we need to involve the services of a structural engineer here. Yeah? So we got the guy in and he looked around and he said, no, this is heading for a disaster because the two or three stories at the top of us can all come tumbling down. It can all collapse. And so what they had to do is they had to insert into the concrete these vertical eyes, uh, the vertical steel eye beams to give the, the structure some, some strength and make sure that it all stays together. And when I think of these eternal values, the Christ values, I think of it as these I-beams of Christ-likenessness that God wants this morning to build into our lives. He wants us to build our lives on these I-beams, the I-beam of, of humility, the I-beam of a robust faith, an I-beam of, of being an agent of change wherever God may use you, wherever He has placed you. Uh, Jesus calls it salt and light. That you will bring something to that community where you live, where you work, where you play. Maybe I can just for two minutes take a, a sidebar here for those of us in the marketplace. If you, if you are working and you're earning a salary every month and that's your thing. So God wants to remind us. When we live our lives, when we build our lives on His values, it radically changes our motivation for coming to work. You see, some people would say, I go to work because I want to earn a salary and I need to provide for my family. Of course, we understand all that. Others would say, no, actually, I come from the moral high ground. For me, it's not about the money. It's all about my emotional fulfillment. And that sounds cool. But actually, folks, none of those cut it biblically. Genesis 1 tells us the reason why you and I will get up tomorrow morning and go to work. The motivation for that should only be that we want to roll up our sleeves and we want to make those around us flourish. There's a motivation to go to work. I want to see others come through. When I have a coffee with them at the coffee station, they may be desperate at that morning for two or three words from me that will change their life. Others' project may need to be promoted above mine our motivation should be that those around us should flourish that's a value that we can build our lives on says Jesus this morning what about the I-beam of reconciliation of sexual purity of prizing your marriage of integrity of speech of learning to love the unlovable of learning to care for those who are vulnerable in our society the I-beam of the power of prayer. The I-beam from freedom, from greed, and worry about finances. And becoming radical, generous givers. That's the I-beam for us. That when we build our lives on the rock of Christ, when we want to live like Him, we want to be... That's a value for us this morning. What a wonderful place to be. Free from worry. I've had, we've had seasons where we've had abundance and we've had seasons where we've had nothing. 
You come to this place where you trust your father and you build your life on that rock. It frees you, people. It frees you to generosity. It frees you to a whole lot of things. The I-beam of non-judgmentalism, of extending grace to those around us. Can you see what I'm talking about this morning? God wants us, when we want to build our lives on the rock of Christ, He says, build your life on my values. Yes, that other stuff, it's got its place. But let's not get carried away with it. Let's get carried away with my values and building your life on me. This morning I want to ask you, what are you, what are you building your life upon? What are the values that you build your life upon at this time? Let's drive in those I-beams of Christ-likeness deep into the foundation of our lives. And then thirdly, to build our life upon the rock of Christ means that we put these values that I spoke about into practice. Right? We put them into practice. Jesus in the story, I don't know if you noticed that, but in the story these two builders... The one who built his house on sand and the other one who built his house on rock have got something in common. Yeah, we saw it in, in, um, in that passage that we read. They both heard the words of Jesus. But the one builder doesn't put them into practice and the other guy puts them into practice. And Jesus, in the context of the sermon that he gave, he's just been preaching at the multitude of people. And they are suitably blown away. They can't believe the words that come from his lips. They are mesmerized. And Jesus is by this story saying, I'm actually not that, that, that uh, interested that you are moved by this story. I'm not that interested that this story means so much to you or by my message. What I'm really interested in is what difference does my message make in your life. That's what I'm after. You see... In verse 17, he, he puts a, a statement that's, that reads as follows. He says, if you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let me read that again. If you know these things, you will, bless, you will be blessed if you do them. Notice there are two ifs here. There are two conditions for his blessing. First of all, he says, if you know these things. Ties in beautifully with what Ken shared last week. If we hear God, if we listen to God, if we know these things, that knowledge comes through multiple channels. A Sunday like this, God's Word, prophetic encouragement, the Holy Spirit speaking to us, books, podcasts. In multitudes of channels, God can speak to us. What a beautiful thing. We're so grateful for that. That we live in this age where all of that stuff is at a fingertip. There's no reason why you and I shouldn't be fully Loaded with God's message every day of our lives. But there's a second if here. Right? The second if says, you will be blessed if you put it into practice. You see, it doesn't work. It's not good enough just for us to know this stuff. But it's when we build our lives, we, we implement, we put it into practice. There are two ifs, there are two conditions here. And so we need to take these works from Jesus this morning when he speaks to us about the values we build our lives upon. And we need to put them into practice. 
I just feel for some of us, we need to be careful that our knowledge doesn't exceed our obedience. We want to hear God. We all want to hear God. But if it stays at that, it's just a good theory, my friends. God wants us to change our lives. And when we build our lives on Him, the implication is that we put what He's telling us into practice. And you may say to me, come on, Christo, how can this guy from 2,000 years ago tell us how to live our lives in this sophisticated world that we find ourselves today? Well, actually, Jesus knows exactly. Like God, He is omniscient. He knows everything. And we come to God and we come to Jesus and say, give me a few tips to make my life work on my terms. No, no, no. That's not how you build your life on the rock of Christ. It's not slight modification of our behavior. It's a radical turnaround. Putting into practice. At the end of this parable, Jesus speaking, he says, when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers. You see that? Jesus' authority didn't come from education. He wasn't as literate as those who competed with him on the stage. That comes from creatorship. And he created us to live our lives in such a way that we build it on his rock. And then fourthly, to build our lives on the rock of Christ means that we can relax in the certainty that we will, that we will withstand the storms of life. Picture it, people. Two houses side by side. The one built on sand and the other one built on the rock. Now I can imagine that the guy who built his house on sand paid plenty of attention on above the ground stuff, right? All the bells and whistles were there. His house looked magnificent. But the guy who built his house on rock paid a lot more time and energy and money into building a strong foundation. It took him a lot longer. It took a lot more effort. And I can imagine over time that the sand guy would just tap him slightly on the shoulder and say, hey man, let's face it, you wasted your money and your time and your energy and all. Look at my house. Look how dazzling it is. Look, it's, work it's all working out. You, all that money and effort you spend on your foundation, it's all lost. Come on, you wasted your money on, on those unimportant things. And then... Nick, if you're ready, one day, this happens. Okay, you get the picture. I really want you to hear this. 
Jesus is warning us that there are storms coming. It may not be today. It may not be this week. It may not even be this year. But there is a storm coming. I wish it wasn't the case. I wish I can promise you a storm-free life. But that's not what Jesus said. Welcome to the planet. The rain of adversity. The winds of calamity. The flats of intense difficulties will come our way. And all, my friends, will be exposed. You see, you want to build your life on the rock of Christ? You want to build a life that will stay when the storm comes? Well, then you need to prioritize your relationship with Him. You need to value what He values. You need to put those values into practice. And then you can relax when the storm comes. We've seen examples of that in this community, I'm telling you. Storms have come this year to some of our people that you don't wish that on your biggest enemy. A baby born with holes in, heart, in his heart. Cancer multiple times. Job losses. Emotional stress and strains. These storms have come our way. But boy, when you build your, rock on, your life on the rock of Christ, when those storms come, you will know where to turn. And you will endure. You may grieve, but you won't be hopeless. You may hurt, but you won't despair. Ask Madele, she will tell you. You will hurt, but you will not despair. Paul puts it like this. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. The storms will come. And some of you this morning will sit here and admit that you are not ready for the storm. That you are not building your life on Christ as storms are looming. Let me remind you that even if you, remind, even if you survive the storms in this life, there is a far greater storm coming. It is the storm of judgment day. It is the mother of all storms. It is most likely the storm that Jesus is referring to in the story. And so my friends, what you do with Jesus in this lifetime will determine your eternal destiny. You want to sink into a Christless eternity, unforgiven, unreconciled. There is a storm coming. And the invitation from Jesus this morning is that there's a better way for us to build our lives. When our culture screams at us with all the things it wants to present, all the things, yes, they are some of them good and helpful, but they're not going to last. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Don't be so blown away by above the waterline, by above the ground line stuff. Give special attention to how you build below the water. Make Christ your kill this morning, my friends. And your life will be able to endure not only storms in this life, but the day will come when you will celebrate with your Heavenly Father. Eugene Peterson, 
who paraphrased the message for us so beautifully, he says this. Maybe the band can join us as I read this. He says, following Jesus is a decision to walk in his ways steadily and firmly, i.e., following Jesus is a way to build your life on the rock of Christ and then finding that it integrates all our other interests and passions and gifts and human needs and eternal aspirations. It is the way of a life we were created for. God in His mercy and grace and love and wisdom sending His Son on a mission so that you and I can have a reconciled life. We can build that life on His values. We can prioritize that relationship. We can live it out every day. And friends, this is not about getting some kind of insurance for heaven one day. Please. This is for us from this day to live a radically different life because of the grace that God has extended to us. Why don't we just close our eyes for a moment? I feel God wants to minister to some of us this morning. And perhaps you, you were sitting here with us or online and you first to admit that you've accepted God's free offer of grace. You've asked Him for forgiveness. But if you're honest with yourself this morning, your relationship with Him has become just to add on to making life work. And He's no longer the priority that, that He wants to be and should be. He longs for intimacy with us, folks. He doesn't require us to work to gain His favor. Jesus wants intimacy with you and I. He wants our hearts to connect. Perhaps you've settled for something, for another version of the gospel, for something else. I want to give you just a moment in quietness with our eyes closed to come to Jesus and to ask Him by His Holy Spirit to reignite in you a desire to make Him a priority in your life. Maybe you've started building your life on different values. And Jesus saying, my eye beams of Christ likeness is the best way for you to live. Come to him this morning. Build your life on the things that matters to Christ and should matters to us. Maybe you've been a good hearer of the word. You often hear from God. But not much has changed in your life. Jesus invites us to put those things into practice. Perhaps you find yourself this morning in the middle of a storm. It's going to be okay. When you build your life on the rock of Christ, it's going to be okay. Because He's walking through that storm with you side by side.
or perhaps you've never considered building your life on the rock of Christ. You are totally consumed by building your life on the stuff that our culture offers us. Jesus is reaching out to you this morning. In whichever of these categories you find yourself, friends, you find yourself in good company. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, maybe this morning He's pulling at your heartstrings. Maybe the Holy Spirit is whispering to you to, to surrender your life and to start new with a clean slate with God. If that's you, I invite you just where you sit or where you stand or wherever you find yourself this morning to come to Jesus. To ask Him for His forgiveness. To accept His free grace offer. And to begin to build a life that's rock solid.